For the strong of heart, they provide inspiration and a challenge. For, the, for those of us who perhaps are a bit more spiritually introverted, they're, they're quite daunting when we hear Jesus speaking like that. Scripture talks of Jesus setting his face towards and fixing his attention on Jerusalem, the events that were to come. And you can perhaps sense a bit of this purpose-driven emotion coming through in the way that Jesus is speaking. But I couldn't quite help but pick up possibly a little bit of divine exasperation there too. If you read the verses before, you see how Jesus had just predicted his own death. And then Peter, 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 you're in good hands tonight, confused by what Jesus seemed to be saying, as if the party that they had started, the things were going really well, was going to come to some sort of end he hadn't expected, took Jesus to one side and gave him a rebuking. You can imagine Jesus, you know, after years of spending time with this select group of guys, of mentoring, and it was the Son of God mentoring these people, and still they, uh, they were confused about what was going on. You can understand Jesus when he was in the, the Mount of Olives sometime later after the Last Supper, not only praying for the disciples, but in John 17, he said, verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. There's a lot hanging on this particular prayer of Jesus, given that Peter seemed to have been so confused. And these were, and these are, hard-sounding words. They must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. And in our vernacular, we all know what doth it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul. These are Jesus' words that we all use. We all know where we are. And here they are, spoken by Jesus himself. For me, it kind of forces me to try and bash down this part of my mind where there's the the Bible-believing, gospel-based, you know, everything's fine, God, cool part of my brain, and the part of my brain in which everyday patterns happen. You know, my everyday and what I do, church, everyday. And there's this war, and it forces me to try and break it down. When we hear Jesus saying things like this, we have to try and make sense of it. And how do we do that? It's hard. It's a lifelong, it's a lifelong adventure, I do believe. How do we deny ourselves? How do we pick up our crosses? How do we follow Jesus? How do we lose our life, lives for him? There's a complete year of sermons and I might email Tim when he comes back. You know, this is unnerving, Jesus. So how do we respond at the start of Lent to words like these? If we go back to Jesus' prayer for, for all believers in verse 21b, he says, may they also be in us, that is Jesus and the Father, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I think just in that verse is possibly a suggestion of how we can, we can work with these words and try to apply them to our everyday lives. If we can focus on what God is doing, it means we don't focus so much on ourselves. If we look at 
Jesus' words again about denying ourselves, picking up our crosses, following Jesus, losing our lives, they're not about us. There's a demand, there's, a, there's a, something pretty explicit in that, which means we have to reach out beyond ourselves. And if we can focus away from ourselves and we can become, as a church, God's hands, God's feet, God's heart to the world outside, then the world will have a much easier job of recognizing Jesus and hopefully come to believe in him. I don't know about you, speaking more specifically, but my past Lent resolutions usually have that kind of feeling that I got when I saw poor Elise Christie crashing into that wall again. She'd been there and just that sense of dejection, that Groundhog Day, more or less. While the motive is great in Lent when we give up beer or chocolates or TV or or whatever, and I'm not saying anything against that sort of inward-looking journey through Lent, I want to introduce a more outward-looking way that we as individuals can perhaps go through Lent. And this is a suggestion, so it's a combined kind of talky bit plus notice, (laughs) if you'll forgive me. I want to introduce to those of you who don't know it already, um, the 40 Acts Challenge. Can we have um, the PowerPoint? So we're talking about often we approach Lent, I'm going to stop drinking wine, I'm going to feel ready, you know, it'll remind me of what Jesus did in the wilderness, I'll be ready when it comes to Easter. That's absolutely fantastic. But imagine that one act of generosity at a time were we to approach that way might have possible major impact on the communities in which we live. So... The idea of 40 acts uh, and doing Lent generously. There are over 100,000 people who are doing this. I believe it's an international thing, although it's based in the UK. And it starts today, but it's not too late to join. If we could have the, the next slide. So for each day, from now until Easter, there are 40 challenges. They are 40 reflections. There's a Bible passage there uh, is the reflection on it. And then there are 40 challenges, one for each day, in which we choose to be generous to the world out there, whether it's to an individual or whether it's to a cause. And the hope is that with, we change the world one act of generosity at a, time, at a time that that can make a difference. If you want to see me afterwards at all, if this is charming, great. If it's not, don't worry. But if you want to see me afterwards, I can write down or send you a, 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 a text with the link to join up. If we could have the next one. Just to explain it a little bit more, every day, this was today's email. It's about, it's called Target. I'm not going to read you through the whole thing. But it, it basically uh, presents the idea and presents the way that, in this case, we can target those around us with generosity. And it makes it easy for you. There are three ways of approaching it, a bit like a traffic light system. The green option is if you only have five minutes. If we could have the next slide, Janet. Um, I won't read the small text, but if you have five minutes to enter into this act of generosity on that particular day, then yours is the green option. If you've done that and you feel you have more time, you go to the amber or the yellow option, which might take 
15 minutes, possibly half an hour. And then the red option, when you have a lot more time on your hands that particular day, and you really want to get stuck into something generous. So it sort of paces it quite nicely. Um, if you go to the next slide. Oh yeah, th this is my response to today. The idea is that we create a target with God in the center, and in the rings around it, we write the names of those that we're prepared to be generous to this, this, this Lent. If you want a sort of a, a standardized version without dad on it, because we're doing it as a family this Lent, uh, I've got some copies and I can print them out for you. Um, anyway, the next one, please. Yeah, I think that's fine. That's really all I had to say, but I'm hoping that apart from getting you possibly interested in, in entering into this challenge for, for Easter, also that sense that what we're doing is we're offering ourselves to God at this start, at Ash Wednesday, this threshold of the time up to Easter. We're offering ourselves to God, whether it's on the internal journey of giving something up or perhaps a bit more of an outward-looking journey like this by taking something on, that we change ourselves through what we do and allow God to change us, but also that we can make an impact on the world around us. Um, I think we're going to continue, and we'll be singing, I Will Offer Up My Life. Thank you. <laughs>